mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turning your Bible with me to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to be beginning in verse 5 this morning. We will be dovetailing, really looking at the first four verses again. I can't go on without really looking at them again. If you remember in verse 4, we are given one of the reasons why John writes this letter in his latter years. He says, in these things we write to you that your joy may be full. I really like that many times you see him say we. See, John understands that he's not alone. Because he, he's, he's writing it, but the Holy Spirit is inspiring him. But it's the whole body of Christ together that's supposed to be declaring the message. So he continues to say we, and you're going to see that. He's including himself in the body because he's just a part of the body where Christ is the head. Now, if you actually remember with me, he is fighting against Gnosticism. The super knowledge of the day where people, the Gnostics come in and they're, fo- they're literally following behind him the way they did with Paul. And that's what happens is when someone speaks truth, even today, I'm going to share truth with you today. The Holy Spirit's going to quicken it to your heart. But as you go out the door, guess what? There's going to be the entire world attorney to sway of the wicked one trying to steal that word of truth from you trying to convince you that you should listen to their lie and not God's voice. They're going to try in every way possible with visual. They're going to do it with with just uh, shaming you or, or trying to force you and make fear upon you, but they're going to try to steal that truth from you. That's just what happens. We're in this together, though, and as a body, we should come back together and continue to encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Listen, we are here to be equipped to learn truth, to go out and stand against the lie. That's why you're going to see that John continues to give us these these opposites, light and darkness, good and evil. I mean, and and he contrasts these in different ways for us to understand what he is saying. But let me see. He says, in this, in these things we write to you, we write to you. Listen, when you go out from here today, do you understand that you're still part of a body? You're still part of a universal body of Christ across this world in the spirit because you believe in Jesus. There's this entire family that still exists everywhere. And you still have the Holy Spirit with you. And you still have the support and the prayers of the other saints with you. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. We write to you that your joy may be 
fool. Where's your joy meter today? If I might say that. Where's your joy at? We talked about it last week. The acrostic is Jesus, others, and then yourself. If you want to have joy, you have to get your life in that right side up position where you're putting God first, then others, and then yourself. That's the Ten Commandments in a nutshell. God first, then your neighbor, and then you'll deal with your own life because God throws that in and he takes care of you. It's the Ten Commandments. Jesus, others, and then yourself. But if self is first, you're going to be miserable. If self is first, you're always going to be second-guessing yourself. If self is first, you're going to be anxious. If self is first, your emotions are on the throne, and you're going to be fearful. But if Jesus is first, now you're learning truth. You know truth. You have a relationship with truth. You're having fellowship with truth. And so you're appropriating truth. When you hear something, as you go out the door and it tries to steal your truth, you appropriate truth. You take the thought captive, and now you put Jesus first, and you, can, you don't have to be anxious. You don't have to worry, because you remember that he'll not leave you nor forsake you. Then you put others, and you go, well, how does that affect others? And then you put yourself last, the same way Jesus did. And the last night of his life, before they crucified him, he washed servants' feet. The servant who should have been washing the feet, he washed their feet. And that's the way we're supposed to be doing. Oh, well, how come they're not doing this? How come they're? No, you got yourself on the throne again. You're upside down there. You're pointing at somebody else instead of laying your life down for somebody else. See, and it's real easy to get upside down in the church. It's real easy to get upside down, especially if you're not in the word prayer and fellowship. Especially if all you're doing is out there fellowshipping with the world, they're telling you to do everything upside downward. But Jesus turns your life right side up, where your perspective comes from heaven. Your perspective comes from truth. Your perspective comes from what you've heard. This is what he's talking about when he's dealing with these Gnostics. What they heard, what they seen, what they handled. Concerning the word of life. Listen, listen. Why, why is he telling us that? Because he wants us to have fellowship with him. And really, when you look at this, he uses the word fellowship almost synonymous with salvation. Look how it's written here in these verses. It's almost synonymous with true salvation involves fellowship in the spirit always. It's a spiritual thing. Notice he says our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus. He doesn't mention the Spirit because if you have salvation and you're having fellowship with the Word of life, the Spirit is the one that's creating it. He's baptized you into the body. He sealed you, and He's the one leading your life. If you're having these things, if you're experiencing fellowship with the Father and the Son, it's because of the Holy Spirit. So the Trinity is always working together in union and the body of Christ should be too and that's why it's so amazing to watch what John says when he says we he's not taking it upon himself he has the Holy Spirit there's people fellowship with him there in Ephesus and they're writing they're wanting to send a letter but he wants you to know that they heard it first see that's what we're doing right now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God I shared with the Bible study on Friday night and I can share it with you now up until like 1430, basically all communication was done that way, hearing. 1430, Johann Gutenberg developed the first printing press. 
He was broke. He was a little bit distraught, and he said, oh, and he had had some, some uh, uh, experience with printing where they would carve out blocks, and they made stamps. But remember what happened prior to that? I mean, scribes would be sitting in rooms and writing the same thing over, going, what does that say? And they'd write it down, jot and tittle. Most things were transcribed by somebody. But what did they do? You remember, you see it on movies. We didn't, we weren't there, obviously. So you see it on movies. They go, you see a bunch of people come in with soldiers, and they go, hear ye, hear ye. And they unroll a skull, and they say, it is the edict of the king. And they would read one letter to the whole public, and they'd herald the truth of what was going on. They would herald the message, and it was always with hearing. Very important that we understand that, because now... Since we have the printing press, there's good things. The first book he printed, what was it? Anybody remember? The Gutenberg Bible. One of the most expensive books on the planet right now, if you had a copy of it. One page. Hundreds of thousands of dollars for one page of it. Because it's the very first book ever published. Then they began to print school books. And all the school books had Jesus on every page. Until now. See, we always think that everything the way it is now has always been that way. No, the devil's trying to bring in more darkness and, and, and kick God out of the planet. And his people are supposed to be proclaiming and declaring what? What they hear. What they see. And what they handle. But the reason we don't talk about it is because we're not hearing from him. We're not seeing him and we're not handling him because we're too busy with our lives. We're too busy doing what we do and following the culture and calling it Christianity. We're too busy chasing the American dream and all those things instead of, and so what do we talk about? We talk about the football game, of course. We talk about the things that we're actually seeing and hearing and handling instead of making this the main thing, Jesus, others, and then yourself. See, the whole point of salvation is to have fellowship once again with God, to have it restored back in his house. And we say a prayer and we say, I'm saved, but our fellowship really isn't restored. So even though John has been called this soft, really soft, loving pastor because he said the one Jesus loves, he's really more strict than all the rest of them. Listen to me, because he's getting ready to say, if you say, and then you don't, then you ain't saved. He's getting ready to give you some pretty serious stuff. We and if are some very important words to pay attention to in this text. Listen to me, because if we really have salvation, fellowship has been restored with God. So then we would be desiring, because of the Holy Spirit... To hear from him, hear his voice, him to know us and us follow him, John 10, 27. Then he would give us eternal life. And none would be lost. No one can pluck us or snatch us out of his hand. That fellowship cannot be interrupted. Unless, of course, we make a choice to let it be interrupted. By listening to what? The lie. By listening to the darkness. By listening to the liar. What happened in the garden? Think about it for a minute. Perfect fellowship with God. Walking daily, meeting in the garden, listening to his voice, obeying him and following him. And then, I don't believe it happened just like 
Hi, Eve, how are you doing? I have a bucket of sin here, and this will really cast you into hell. Would you like to have some? Free today. Get a second bucket for $10.99. No, no, no. The devil comes in and begins to proclaim something different, herald a new thing that she's hearing. It entices her, and then she chooses to be led away by her own sin and rebels against God, listening to a voice instead of making the truth the first thing in her life. See, it didn't happen like just instantly. And you and I, we don't drift away instantly. Drifting is something that's a slow thing when you don't anchor your boat to a dock. And the dock, the anchor is Jesus. And this truth that we're looking at, He is the light. And if we're having fellowship with Him, it's obvious in our lives. It's the same as salvation. Look at Psalms 1. I just want to get here with you. I'm not going to be there too long, but I want you to see this, the progression that still goes on. It's Psalms 1. There's a progression that goes on in the lives, but, but what happens is there has to be another voice. There has to be another voice saying, turn in here, turn in here, instead of listening to God's voice. See, if you belong to God and you've been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus, that's the only voice you want to hear. And you want to hear that because faith comes by hearing. And then you want to see him, and you begin to get into the scriptures to see what he's doing, what he's done, what he's, what he's going to do. And then you want to handle that, and you begin to handle the word of God. And you say, what, what do I do with this now that I have it? I have to declare it. I have to herald it. I have to publish it so somebody else. But with the printing press, see, now we can publish all kinds of lies. Now we can publish all kinds of opinions. And it doesn't just become local. Now with the internet, you can instantly tell the whole world one thing. And instantly the world can believe a lie or reject a lie or believe a truth or reject a truth. Instantly almost. I don't know if you guys have it on your phone, but they put that presidential thing on there where everybody can hear the same thing like that, an alert, similar to the Amber Alert. They put it on the phones during COVID. But Psalms 1, many of you know this, if you've been a Bible student for very long, you see that blessed is the man and the woman, speaking in the masculine, blessed or happy it can be, how happy, it comes from a word that means straight or to be on the level. See, isn't that where we want to be, is straight and on the level? We don't want to be deceived and get to heaven and go, wow, I was walking crooked the whole time I was down there, I thought I was okay. In fact, the Bible says, if you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, He will make your path straight. He will direct your paths. Because, see, the Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. But look what he says here, because this is really life's two roads. There's only two roads. There's only two governments. There's only two voices. See, the devil just disguises his voice and comes in all kinds of other to proclaim lies and get you to be enticed. So you take the bait and then you follow the lie because it feels good to your flesh. So there's only one deception and that's self-deception. We listen to something that makes it seem funner in life. Instead of understanding that we're soldiers in the army of God and no one called to be a soldier entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he might please him who called him to be a soldier. Blessed is the man. You want to be blessed? You want to be happy? You want to walk straight? You want to live right? 
You want to know that you're, you're having fellowship in the Spirit and walking in the light? We're going to get to that in our text. Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Listen, walk is always how you're living. We're going to see it in our text in 1 John this morning. We, Jim always calls it parapotatoes because it's parapoteo. It's, it's alongside your walk. It means your daily walking, how you tread, how you live. Where's your heart going? It's your daily walk. Here it has a similar thing, but it's just talking about your walk, how you're living. Uh, and you, and, and it, listen, if you want to be blessed, you want to be straight, you want to be fellowshipping in the light, here's a litmus test. Don't listen to the counsel, the advice, the purpose, or the teaching of the ungodly. Let's do a real quick test. The godly are those who believe in Jesus and have fellowship with God. The ungodly is the rest of the world. There's only two governments. There's a heart that has said, I believe in Jesus Christ. I trust you for my spiritual well-being. And then you continue in that by faith with a walk by faith, being led by the Spirit. And then the Bible says in 1 John 5, 19, I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath wickedness, underneath the sway of the wicked one. So the ungodly would be listening to the counsel, the advice, the purposes of the other government. That's what Eve did in the garden. She was walking perfectly with God. She had a straight path. She's, she's there with Adam being his helpmate. They, they, they have these animals in this garden they're tending to. And all of a sudden, somebody comes on the scene and begins to proclaim something else. It says, God is holding out on you. What about that tree of the knowledge of good and evil that he said you can't eat from? She's like, yeah, what about that tree? She takes the bait. He sets the hook, and all of us are born with a sin nature now. Nor stands in the path of sinners. Listen, you don't want to stand in the pathways of people who are taking the bait. You don't want to fellowship in the pathway of people who are listening to the counsel of the ungodly. Well, where's that pathway at? It's, it's any pathway that's not walking with God. Listen, Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a light to my feet and a lamp to my path. Lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Look, it shows you exactly where you're standing at. If I have a lantern. But it also shines out that way. And for so far, I can see pretty good, but as it goes further, it becomes a little bit more obscure, but I can walk by faith and trust that God's out in front of me with the light. But I got this lamp, I can see exactly where I'm standing. Oh, my goodness. See, if you're standing there, and you're standing in a pile of horse dew, and there's no light whatsoever, I didn't say dookie, so you guys can excuse me for the dew. You're standing there in it. You've been walking around in the dark. You're standing in a big pile, and you think you're okay, and then you light your lantern, and you go, oh, my goodness, I'm standing in dookie. I thought I was okay. I know it's not. You'll remember it, though. (laughs) And then you can go like this and lift it a little higher, put it on the throne of your life, and you can see out in front where the rest of the dookie is. So you can, go, you can walk in a straight path and stay away from it and not step in it again. You can keep it off of your feet and your walk becomes a walk that is clean. 
It's pure. It's holy. It's being led by the Spirit. The Spirit knows where all of those piles of dookie are. Sorry. I've never been politically correct. I would rather it stick in your heart and you keep it. Have you heard the one about the brownies? I know you have. There's these two kids and they want to go to a movie that everybody else is watching, that everybody else is seeing the counsel of the ungodly, the purpose of the ungodly. And, and, and they want to go there and they see it, but their parents say no. Dad says you can't go because it's just not good. It's got cussing in it. It's got this in it. It's got that in it. It's not a godly movie, so I don't want you seeing it. So they get mad and they stomp off upstairs. Before long, they smell, and there's these brownies cooking. They can smell it, so they creep back down the stairs, and Dad, he cuts them. He puts a piece right in front of them, freshly baked. And says, oh, hang on a minute. Before you take a bite of that, there's just a little bit of poop in them. See, because that's what they're saying about the movie. There's only a little bit of cussing, Dad. There's only a little bit, Dad. It's a good movie. Everybody's doing it. And he says, before you eat those, there's just a little poop in them. Think about this for a minute. You can survive a little poop in your brownies. Serious. But you don't want no dookie in your soul. You don't want no dookie in your soul. Eternal things are much different than physical things. Physically, you can survive through some dookie. Eternally, you don't want to get to heaven and go, there's some dookie in your soul here. You haven't really been fellowshipping with God. You've been following a lie. Sorry. That would be a terrible thing for anybody. I know. See, when I think people are offended by me saying dookie, I say it more. That's just who I am. I'm sorry. I just want you to, I want you to get it. So I'll keep saying it. Listen, blessed is the man. You want to be blessed? You want to walk straight? You want to be uh, uh, um, level and right with God? Don't walk and live your life according to the advice, purpose, teaching, or counsel of ungodly people. If they don't know Jesus, listen, I'm telling you right now, our society is set up by ungodly people. They've kicked God out of everything. Ungodly people. They're locking churches up. They're shutting us down. They don't want us to fellowship. I got a, a, a thing this Mike McClure, who's fighting with him in California. Don McClure's boy has not shut down his church yet, but he's fighting in court. The court's telling him that he can still meet, that they can't stop him from meeting. But he, they're, they're fighting hard out there because of these people. And, and so they're trying to shut churches down. They're trying to be able to sanction your God-given rights to meet and fellowship and learn about God and go out and declare it to other people. So pray for Mike and them. There's several churches that are doing this, that they are actually saying, no, we're going to do what we're doing because of what God's called us to do. You can take what you want, but we're not going to stop. So you walk, you stand, and then it says, nor sets in the seat of the scornful. You know, there's a lot of people today that actually are in church that say they know God, and they're scornful. They're scoffers. They don't believe the truth of God. And right now is the time to wake up from that, not when you meet God. I had a person just, just this week that, that says he goes to church, and, and of course, I seen him tagging along with his wife. He didn't go to church for his own purposes, so I was able to be in his home, and I'm blessed to be in his home and share Jesus with him. 
But he said, yeah, but they've been saying that forever that he's coming soon. Really? Really? Doesn't mean it's not true. It just means that you're impatient. And now you're listening to the ungodly and you think it's not going to happen. And you became a scoffer. You, you, you're sitting in a church listening and going, ah, I think I can get away with this. I think I'll be okay. I think I'll make it home all right. But does it line up with truth of Scripture or does it line up with the false prophets and the false teachers of the day? Notice this, and I want you to see this. But his delight, verse 2, Psalms 1, 2, his delight, his delight his desire, his pleasure, what he's pleased with is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. This is the heart that walks with God, is in fellowship with God. The things of God are important. I sat with an elderly man yesterday, 73 years old, and we were having a conversation that I was like, wow, this man has got so much knowledge about the Bible, tracing lineages from, from Joseph all the way through. I mean, I'm not even going to give you the, the details, but it's pretty amazing. And he goes, this is peculiar. He goes, not, not bad, but, you know, you can't do this with most people that say they're Christians. You can't sit down and have a real conversation about the scriptures. And I was like, you're right. Because God's people don't know his word. And they're not meditating in the word of God day and night. You know what they're busy doing? Having fellowship with everything else. And they've been deceived into listening and thinking they're okay because they said a prayer one time, but there's no fellowship in the spirit. There's no fellowship in the body. There's no fellowship with the work of God and communion with God. See, koinonia fellowship, which is what the Greek word is, it means a partnership. It means an association. It means all things in common because now we have the same spirit. We're married to the same head, Jesus, who gives us the same mind to do the same work of the ministry of reconciliation of souls. And that's why John would say we because he knows he's a part of a family, part of a body, that he belongs somewhere. And nobody's going to steal that from him. They tried to kill him and they couldn't kill him. They cast him to the island of Patmos, and God gave him a revelation. He uncovered what was going to happen in the end days, and he writes it down for us. And then he's delivered back and allowed to go to Ephesus in modern-day Turkey, where he's delivering these letters to you and me down the corridor of time, and nobody can stop God's word. It goes out, and it accomplishes what it's purpose to do. It's still doing it 2,000 years later in our lives. Meditates day and night, 1-3 of Psalms. He shall be like a tree, an oak of righteousness, more exactly, planted. He's been planted by the rivers of water. He's got roots that go down deep to the Holy Spirit. That's what the water is. And it brings forth its fruit in season. Are you being prepared for your season? Listen, this is our season. Right now, when the world is in chaos and the lies are turned up and, and fear is being mongered and, and they're telling us more and more and more about the bad things that are going to happen so that they can control you and take power from your life, who are you listening to? Where are you getting your counsel? Who are you having your fellowship with? Listen to me. Whose leaf also shall not wither. That speaks of freshness because you have a daily walk. A daily relationship. And whatever he does shall prosper. See, here's the, here's the rub. 
in, in, in the devil's government, prosperity means you get money. In God's government, prosperity means that you understand and you fellowship in the light. With Joshua, he said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, so you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you shall be prosperous, and then you shall be of good success. See, because good success in God's kingdom, prosperity in God's kingdom is not the same. Because in heaven, all of this stuff down here that people think they're prospered in, it becomes building materials. You walk on it. It's no good. God's economy is in people, in souls. It's upside down. But if we have fellowship in the light, we've been flipped right side up. Now notice, because this is what I want you to understand, notice the progression of Psalms 1. Walking in the counsel of the ungodly. And if you are walking in the council, if you haven't already decided that I want to listen to the wonderful counselor, I believe he sent me a savior. I believe he delivered me back into his house. I believe and I have heard and seen and I want to handle these truths like they did. See, you walk first and if you don't have all your eggs in one basket and you believe as Jesus Christ is your all in all, guess what happens then? You begin to stand. Do you walk with, we all go out in the world, but are you standing and listening to their lies? Are you standing now and going, well, maybe they do have a point. Maybe it really is real. Maybe I really should listen. Maybe their government has something for me. Because when you walk out there and you don't have your facts set straight, you don't believe that God is everything. He's your all in all. He's the great I am. Then you begin to stand there and listen to what they're saying. And you know what happens then? You sit down in the seat with the scornful and you because you believe it. If you don't ever walk there, you can't stand there, and you'll never be tempted to believe it and sit down there as Eve did. She sat down in it. And you know what Adam did? He went and sat down with her. But we're supposed to be standing with Christ. For Christ, proclaiming and declaring the truths of this word, not listening to an ungodly world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one. If you think that there's something that the world has to offer for your soul, that's walking with them. You'll be enticed to listen to them and stand with them. And then you'll be deceived and it'll be too late. You'll take and set the hook in your own jaw and you'll be self-deceived and you'll set down with them. It's called indoctrination. Look back at our text. And remember what he said. Why did he write these things? Oh, yeah, he's fighting against false teaching, but his main purpose is that your joy may be full. His main purpose of telling you what he has heard and seen and handled concerning the word of life is so that we can have fellowship with them. And truly, his fellowship, their fellowship is what? With the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Then he says, these things I have written to you that your joy may be full. The only way your joy is ever going to be full it's when you come to God on His terms, His way for His glory and admit who you are and what you've done. And that's what He's going to go on to tell us once we're saved. Then He says, 1 John 1, 
verse 5, 1 John 1, 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Practice might be in your book, but that's not in the true text. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Father, we long to hear and see and handle your word of life, Jesus Christ. We long to be in that relationship, walking in fellowship, koinonia fellowship, in your light. Remove the darkness from our lives. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would say to the church and restore the joy of our salvation. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, 1-5, this is the message which we have heard, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, from him and declare to you, I'm going to stop there, that's 5-A, listen, notice, they heard it, where'd they hear it from? Him, from God, and then what did they do with it? They went out and declared it to others. It's so important that you understand that even now, at this moment, as I speak, you're here to hear from Him. You're not here to hear from me. I'm just part of the body. We are we together. We are. You are. These are who we are. And there's different gifts that happen in the body of Christ. But we're all being equipped together. Paul said in the communion chapter, I delivered to you what I received from the Lord. He says in Galatians, I didn't get my gospel from men. I got it from the Lord. See, that's why we pray. That's why we spend time with God. That's why we spend time in his word. That's why we want to, to learn to hear his voice. And for him to know us and then follow him. is because that's a relationship. We don't want to tell people stuff that we just <clears throat> regurgitate. That's an echo. You guys know what the word echo means? It means possession. In the Greek, the word echo is a possession. The girl that was chasing Paul and them around there in uh, Thessalonica or wherever it was, and she was possessed, she was echoing a demon. She was echoing a lie. It's the word echo. And so when I just repeat or echo what somebody else is saying, and it's real funny because we used to pray in our prayer meetings, and, and we'd go, I just echo that. It was real spiritual, you know, to say, I just echo that prayer request there, and I also add to it. It's okay to do that, guys. I'm not picking on it. But the word echo is when you're possessed. Are you echoing and proclaiming what you've seen and heard and handled from God? Or are you echoing and proclaiming what you've been fellowshipping with out there? 
What is your life representing? Because you're in a new family now. You have a new government. You have a new home. You have a new life if you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Then we're having fellowship with Him. The Spirit has a whole new set of desires and a whole new way of life. It's the new and living way. We become new creations with God. We're not supposed to still go on echoing the lies of the world and helping the devil disciple people in the world. I tell you all the time about my testimony. I hate it that I disciple people in doing drugs. We used to laugh at them and make fun of them when they couldn't roll a joint. We did all kinds of stuff that was crazy. But then they became really good at it. Some of them are still out there doing it or they're dead. And I was the one that helped disciple them and echo that. And I I showed them what I had heard and what I had seen and what I had handled in life. Sin. And you hand it back to somebody because your life right now, whether you know it or not, you are teaching somebody. You're discipling somebody by how you speak, act, move, and breathe. You are training somebody in something. And if it's not the word of God and the truth of God and fellowship with God and his spirit and his son, Jesus Christ, then it has to be the devil because there's only two ways. That's what we just seen in Psalms. There's just two paths. There's only two. There's no more. The devil wants you to believe there's a bunch and I can do this or I can do that. There's two. Heaven and hell. That's it. And the deception is self-deception because the devil belongs to God. He allows him parameters. He's allowed him to be out on bond right now. See, because it was all won by the precious blood of Jesus on the cross. He's just let loose for a period to tempt you to see if you'll take the bait and believe the lie or whether you will listen to the voice of God. And yes, Jesus took all the penalty. He took your wrath. He also took the power unless you give it to the devil by standing there and listening to him. His advice, his counsel, his purposes, his plans. And sadly to say, the apostate church today is listening to the world way more than they're listening to God. And they're out there teaching socialism. They're out there trying to clean up neighborhoods when God's economy is the soul of mankind. I'm not telling you it's wrong to start a soup kitchen. It's wrong to clean up a house or help somebody. Yes, you have to go out and help people. But if you're not looking first at proclaiming to them what you have heard, seen, and handled concerning the word of life, because that's their need. No matter what they're doing without physically, their only need on this planet is Jesus first. Fellowship with God in the Spirit. Fellowship with His Son. If that fellowship isn't restored and they die, they go to hell. Instantly, when you believe in Jesus, you believe in the blood, if you truly believe, positionally, everything is restored perfectly. But practically, that's what we're doing right now. Practically, we're learning to choose that. And make it our desires because God doesn't want robots. He could have created robots. He wants people that will choose to love him. Even when they know they're messing up. Even when they know they're a sinner. But he doesn't want them to practice that. He's going to talk about that here in a minute. This is the message. What message are you proclaiming? Listen to me. This word is only translated message one time. In the 26 times it's used. 
The other 25 times, it's the word promise. Because that's exactly what the message of the gospel is. It's a promise that God will not break. Listen to me. This, is, this could as easily say this is the promise which we have heard from God and we declare to you. Because that's what you're doing. You're telling them somebody that cannot lie the promise that if you believe, you can have fellowship in his family. If you believe in his provision for the sin nature and believe daily in your walk and let him shine his light in your darkness and extinguish the darkness. Get rid of it. What does he say? Second Peter, or excuse me, First Peter two nine. For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, his own special people, um, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's how he. That's how come he made us holy. He made us his royal priesthood. He made us a special people. It's so that we can proclaim this promise. That Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. Yeah, it's an announcement is what it says. It's for information to give divine assurance of what God is doing, his promise. And they received it from God. Didn't get it from man. Are you here? Man didn't give it to you, so man can't take it away. It came from God. Well, what was the message? That God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Don't need a calculator for that. Don't need a calculator for that. God is unapproachable light. He's unapproachable light. You can't see his light or to kill you. He's a spirit, but he's light. He's so bright that it will kill you. And I'm convinced that if he showed us our full darkness, that we would that would kill us. We would just say, no use. Because, see, we think we're okay, and we're not okay. Even today, as we believe in him, and he made us holy positionally. He made us righteous because of his righteousness. There's still such ugliness in us. And if he showed every bit of it to us, just like if he showed us, he'd show us all of our darkness, we'd go, there's no use. But in him, all things are possible. But if we've seen his light, we would die also. So he wants to work on what he's working on. What's he working on in your life right now? See, if you're in the word of God, he's shining light on some dark place. And he doesn't want you to be completely changed practically like that. He did that positionally. But now he's sanctifying your body, soul, and spirit until that day. And so you have to work on it one thing at a time. Whatever he's showing you right now, whatever he's working on with you right now, you begin to do the next thing that he asks you to do. You begin to say, well, oh, wow, I've been brought back into the family of God because I believe in the blood of God. And so now he's asking, he shows you some truth, and you say, okay, Lord, I want to follow that truth. I want to be led by the Spirit. And as you do that, he washes and cleanses you with the blood, with the bar of soap. And he's changing your desires and making you more like him with everything that you do. But you can't, here he goes, verse 6. If we say that we have koinonia, fellowship with him, with God, and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth, King James, do not the truth. The word practice is not there. Listen, you're not practicing righteousness. You're just living, either following God or disobeying God. 
either walking in light or walking in darkness. Either your heart is, has come back into fellowship with God and you have a desire to move forward in your life and to grow in the grace and the knowledge, or you're just saying, ah, I can do what I want. I'm okay. I said a prayer. See, that's why that's a big lie. That's why that's from the devil. It's from the pit of hell that if you would just say a prayer, I'd be okay. Everything's perfect. Now I can do anything I want. See, because if anything you want is the way you can go and you still have that choice, then you would choose God if the Spirit of God was in you. You would have a heart toward doing God's things unless you're believing the lie of the devil. Because all the power in the universe comes in and seals you, lives in your heart, wants to do home makeover, wants to change your heart into the image of God. And if you weren't in the way, it'd be done like that. That's the positionally. But our flesh, our decisions, our ideas, us listening to the lie and the counsel of the ungodly interfere and quench and grieve the Holy Spirit. We lie to the Holy Spirit. Notice this, this fellowship. He says, if we walk in darkness. Now listen, here's, I want to give you a little bit of good news. Peripateo. That's what that word is, walk. It's how you live when you look at it generally. Looking for it. To tread all around. It's your walk at large if you're occupied with or following. Listen, if your heart is still occupied with and following the counsel of the ungodly, that's what darkness is. The things out there, sin. But see, sin, sin sometimes is not like, oh, I did say that. Oh, I did. It, sometimes I didn't do that. So you have the sin of commission. And you have the sin of omission. If God tells you to go say something to somebody or do something and you don't do it, that's the sin of omission. You didn't do what God asked you to do. That's sin. If you're being led by the Spirit and the Spirit of God asks you to do something and you don't do it and you say, no. Now listen, this is not the, man, I knew I should have said that to that guy. No, that's not what I'm talking about. You will know if God is leading you to do something and you omit it. You won't have to guess, wonder, and worry. I had a buddy years ago we partied with, and I was working, and, and I seen him staggering down the road all drunk. And I'm working at, at my company where I worked at, and I'm like, man, I can't. I, I should go. I can't. If I go and I do this, oh, man, what do I do? I said, i got to take care of my family, and I'm not going to go. And, and I heard about two weeks later that he died. And I was brokenhearted. I was like, oh, my goodness. If I would have just went and, and the devil started putting this shame game on me like I was responsible for him. And, and I am, but not that way because none are lost except for the son of perdition. But then I found that he didn't really die. So that helped a lot. It was a long time later. And I was able to share Jesus with him, and he didn't really die. It was, another, it was his dad, I think, because he was a junior. Listen, but that is not a sin of omission. In wisdom, I did what I needed to do. He was in no grave peril. He was staggering drunk. Being arrested would be a good thing. Uh, get him off the street and get him out of his addiction. Nothing wrong with people getting arrested. Uh, what's wrong is we usually bail them out and let them get arrested again. That's what's wrong because we're so soft. I better get back on topic. If we say, notice it's a we, could be anybody he still clumps it all together because the world does say that we have fellowship. We have this whole church culturanity that says they're having fellowship. I have a partnership with God. I have all things together with God. This is what it is right here, partnership, a, a, a participation with God. Remember we talked about it, it's social intercourse. 
It's a conversation. I'm listening. He knows me. I know him. We're going to bear fruit together because we're married. We're going to go out and disciple people. We have this relationship. But then I ignore him, and all I'm doing is walking in darkness. I'm a liar. It's that simple. And you need to know that now instead of then. You need to know today that if your heart is bent on and you want to go do that, you need to go back to the cross and say, wait a minute, I'm just living a lie. This is is not hypocrisy. This is just a lie. It's not somebody that stumbles, though. It's somebody that this is what I'm occupied with and I'm okay with it. My heart doesn't convict me. I'm okay. I'm I'm living this way. This is my life. I'm not going to stop doing this. That means you're not saved. Lying. You're saying you have fellowship with God, but you don't because the Holy Spirit convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. That's why I said John's not this soft guy that everybody thinks he is. He just called you a liar if you're walking in darkness and that's your practice and you think I'm going to do this and I'm going to be in darkness and nobody's ever going to find out and it's okay because I know God. It's going to be good. See, that's one of the big things in our culture today. Yes, you're free, free to follow God, not free to run around in darkness, not free to go over there and go, I'm going to live this way and it doesn't matter what God says. See, that's a heart that doesn't know God because if you've been delivered back by the Spirit into fellowship with God, You want to obey him because you've seen that you were a sinner and his mercy saved you. And you had no way to get saved. And you see that and you're a thankful Christian because he didn't cast you into hell. See, he could have let you die five minutes before you got saved. You would have seen the light a different way because light means fire or it means light. You would have seen the light a different way. Listen, if we say, so we have to look at our words and say, if we're saying that we have fellowship with God, all things in common, we have the same mind, uh, um, and then our general lifestyle is that we're in darkness. We're, we're, We're out ignoring God. We don't care if we have fellowship with Him or His people. We don't care if that sin's in our life and we're not dealing with it. You know, in, in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall see God. Don't you want to see him? Want to hear him? Want to see him? Want to handle him? Well, what's it mean that if I cry? No, no, no. If you mourn over your sin. See, if you realize in your heart that you're doing something that hurts the heart of God, that tramples the blood of Jesus, that he already paid for to set you free, and you begin to mourn over that, you're like, this is death. This is not what I am here for. I'm here for life. And you begin to fight and ask God for his power because he's already set you free. That you won't believe the lie of the devil. You won't continue to listen to his deception. You mourn over it. You don't get to go to heaven just because you mourn over grandma passing away. Everybody experiences that in life. The mourning is over a heart that you're saying, ah, I'm carrying this body of sin around with me. Wretched man that I am. The thing I want to do, I don't do. But the thing that I don't want to do, I do. Who will save me from this body of sin? And then he says, I thank my God that Jesus Christ is the one who saves me. But you have to cry out to him. You have to draw near to him. You have to stop doing what you're doing Because you keep doing the same thing you're always doing. That's the definition of what? Insanity? Ain't that what they say in the world? If you keep doing the same. Oh, if you expect different results, I guess, is the other part. I just say if you keep doing the same thing you're doing. 
If it's fellowshipping with darkness, I, I don't care what your results are. You need to come into the light as he is in the light. And then we have fellowship of one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, he says here. Where are you, where are you fellowshipping at? Oh, I'm just struggling with sin and I'm struggling with this and I'm struggling with that. And I'm, I just can't get this life right. Well, then quit chasing the world. Quit going back out there and start coming into the body of Christ and have fellowship and get the word of God and change who you're hanging out with. Change where you're going. Turn the light on. That's the way we get rid of darkness in our heart. Turn the light on. That's what Paul said over in 2 Corinthians 4. The same God who spoke and created light. He said, let there be light. He has shined his, the light of his gospel into our hearts. And we can either go like this, or we can let it change our life and say, yes, Lord. We can allow it to go in and chase the inner recesses. Tear down the wall. See, home makeover is one big family. You know, I know you think of homemaker, you're thinking, I want this wall out, and I want another wall here, and I want to hang pictures here, and I want to paint this here, and I want to do this here. God wants it to be wide open, where he has full reign of your heart. There's no walls. He tears them down. His design, not your design. His way, not your way. His will, not your will. Jesus, others, and yourself. God has to come first. If we say, what have you been saying? Who have you been fellowshipping with? This is not, listen, this is not an indictment. This is like light switch turned on, light shines on us, and now we have a choice what we're going to do. Are we going to go out and keep doing the same thing we always do, or are we going to begin to let the light shine in and declare it to others? See, that's one of the things I tell people, just draw a line in the sand. You see your old buds? Don't stand there and shuck and jive with them. Draw a line in the sand. I've been living for Jesus. You guys want to know about Jesus? I'm just telling you. That's what God showed me to do early on in my walk. That's what I do. I don't care what they're talking about. Well, we're going to, uh, what about Jesus? You don't have to run them off. They'll leave. If you just open your mouth and declare Jesus, what you've been hearing about, what you've been seeing, what you've been handling. But if you ain't been hearing about it, and you ain't been seeing him work in your life, and you ain't been handling the word of life, you're going to keep talking about what you've always talked about, and you're going to be so enticed by what they're talking about because that's what you still desire. But my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Listen, and anybody that comes, he will in no ways cast out. All you have to do is come. All you have to do. You know, it's interesting. That word in the Greek, come, means go. It's the same word that means go and make disciples. But if you choose to go and not listen and not have the light, he's not going to force that on you either. It's your choice. You can choose to come or go. You can choose to come and get light and be cleansed, or you can choose to go and live in darkness, and he will not force either way. He's just open arms as a gentleman that says, I've already died for you. It's finished. To tell us die. It's paid in full. We lie and do not the truth. Did you see the inference? Take practice out. I scratched it out really good. Because what they do is, the, I mean, really the thought is, is that practice. But it's not really practice. It's a heart for or against. Is my heart for following 
and for doing the truth because we come. What do we do? Make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then what? Teach them to obey all that I commanded you, the whole prescription, all that I gave you as a prescription. That's what he says. So the heart of a person that's back into the family of God, how did we get kicked out? Somebody disobeyed. When you come back into the family of God, you're set free to obey. So the word practice doesn't need to be there. If you truly have the spirit of God, everything about you should want to obey, even though your flesh keeps you from obeying sometimes. Even though you follow the enticements and the lies sometimes, this is not an excuse to stumble. This is telling you what you should be doing, a heart to obey. And if you don't have a heart to obey God, then you're really not having fellowship with him. You're probably not saved. And if you say you are, you're a liar. I didn't say that. John did. You can smack him or fight with him when you get to heaven. If you get there. If you don't, I'll tell him. I'll just say they were mad because they didn't like it. And, but they're not here, so we don't have to worry about it. That's terrible, isn't it? Right now is the time to proclaim it, not then. It'll do you no good up there. So, they lie and do not the truth. A heart to obey doesn't mean that we won't stumble. But if you walk, if you peripateo, if this is your general walk, your aim, what you're looking to do because of the Spirit of God, because of fellowship with God, because of the blood of Jesus, if you walk in the light as He is in the light, we, the whole body of Christ, have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. How much is all? Get your calculator out. Type this in, and we'll find out what all is. And really, really, listen, he's not pointing at one sin or the other sin. He's talking about your sin nature, your whole sin nature. Because as you keep kicking that nature in the face, it's already been paid for. It's already been, it's already been rendered powerless unless you feed it by listening to the counsel of the world, unless you feed it by listening to the lie of the devil. If you feed your sin nature walking in darkness, it's going to grow. If you feed your spirit by walking in the light, it's going to grow. So which one are you feeding? This is what we're talking about here, fellowshipping. You, you, you've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why? So you can proclaim the praises. Tell other people about what you've heard, what you've seen, what you've handled. I'm telling you right now, it separates you. Think about that for a minute. When a person came in, hear ye, hear ye. Was he separated? The heralder? Oh, yeah, you knew right now you needed to listen because he was sent by the king. And everybody would go, what's the king doing now? Taxing us some more? What is he doing? Hear ye, hear ye by the edict of the king. See, they were separated. You didn't go up and smack them because of what they said because you knew you had to deal with the king. I'm just trying to get this point across to you. If you and I would just go out and proclaim what we've heard and seen and what we're handling as we're being equipped, it would separate you. You would already be in the light because they're listening to darkness. It doesn't mean you have no responsibility for them to receive what you say. All you have is a responsibility to proclaim it. You're like, no, that's your job, Pastor. No, that's culturanity. Every Christian has been called to be a witness 
for Christ, of what you have heard, seen, and handled concerning the word of life. Some people are evangelists, and they have a gift. Some people are pastors and teachers. They have a gift. All of us are called to be witnesses, testifying to the crime scene, testifying to the death, burial, and resurrection, giving witness of what's getting ready to happen. Because it's all written right here, 66 books. You want to know what's going on? Read the book. How did he ever think he could get through this text? Where are you walking at? What are you occupied with? What's your aim in life? Is your joy full? Is your cup overflowing with joy because you can rest in the Lord because you know that you've been called out of darkness? Listen to me. Because if it's not, then you have to say, wait a minute, maybe I don't know. Maybe I need to be renewed by the knowledge of God. Maybe I need to hear some more. Oh, I had a quote here from Job. <laughs> Job 38.2, who is this who darkens counsel by the words without knowledge? See, that's what you get with the ungodly. That's what you get when you follow false teachers. They darken counsel because they don't know God. They don't have the knowledge of God which we know we're supposed to be growing because if not, my people perish from lack of knowledge. I like that. That's when God spoke up and says, who is this that's darkening counsel? See, because if you tell people stuff that's not in the Bible, that's darkening counsel without the knowledge of what the truth really is. You're not shining light in. You're adding gasoline to their fire. That's what the devil wants to do. They're already on fire. They're already, their house is burning down and the devil wants you to add gasoline. But you think you're helping, but if you don't know Jesus, you're not helping anybody. You're hurting them. Who are you having fellowship with? If it's in the light, with the Spirit of God, because your heart is turned toward God to do the work of God for the glory of God, then your fellowship, your partnership is with God. Only time that I would encourage you to have a partnership with family, like a business, is with God. Because it works in the spirit because you give way to the other one and you make allowances. Are you walking in the light? Which would be truth or purity or holiness. It would be light, his word. He said, I am the light of the world. Didn't he? Jesus is light. The word of life. Because if you are, then the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, the word cleanse is very important. It means to make clean. It means to purify, to purge of all darkness, all evil. Light is good. Darkness is evil. Light is clean and righteous darkness is unclean and unrighteous so we want to be cleansed of that we want it removed from our heart from our soul from our life um, from our desires and that's, that's what, you know, instantly when you believe, that happens. 
you're cleansed perfectly. Washed in the blood of Jesus. If we say, verse 8, what are you guys talking about anyway in your heart? If we say, we must be talking about some stuff. We must think some stuff. We must feel some stuff that like we're okay or something. See, I don't believe that we're ever okay in the sense of I can just, you know, take my rest. You're behind enemy lines. Think about that. Just because you win one battle or you've, you, you know one bit of knowledge, if you was in Afghanistan, would you just lay down arms and go, won that one, we're good. No, there's an enemy trying to kill you still. He doesn't want you to get across the finish line. He doesn't want you to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But he wants you to think you're okay and die in the wilderness. Just because the children of Israel left Egypt didn't get them across the finish line, did it? Go read the Old Testament. They didn't believe. They rejected. They didn't obey. They didn't trust God. They didn't go in and receive the inheritance of the land of milk and honey. And they all, with their hard hearts, died in the wilderness except for Caleb and Joshua, two of them. Because they listened to false teachers. They listened to fear. They listened to something that was not godly. God's voice clearly said, this is yours. It's your inheritance. Come in and take it. And when they spied out the land, I said, there's giants there. Think about it. They come back with some of the spoils. We love the fruit. They had a stick, two of them carrying one grape cluster. They had to carry it on a stick. It was so big. They loved that fruit. Oh, we love God's blessings. Take his fruit home, but I'm not going to obey him. And they died in the wilderness. They died. None of that generation, except for people 20 and older, and Caleb and Joshua. And they spun their wheels for 40 years. Well, it was actually 38. Two years it took them to get there, and then it was 38 more years. 40 is the number of judgment. And they went around the same rock. And they, and they never went anywhere until that generation all died out. Sad. It's what the devil wants of all of us. Go around in circles instead of growing and going and looking up and onward. If we say, verse 8, that we have no sin. We deceive ourselves. Self-deception. Again, he says, and the truth is not in us. Listen to me, because there's people out there that say they don't have sin. Now, you can look at this a couple different ways. You can say, I don't need a Savior. I'm not a sinner. I'm better than them. I have good morality, a good upbringing. I'm an American. I don't have sin. I don't need a Savior. And you can be proud in your heart. But it could also be that you can have the holiness movement, which is in the church today, that you become fully sanctified and you don't sin anymore. You make mistakes, but you never sin. Yeah, and you say stupid stuff that doesn't line up with Scripture. As long as you have this body of flesh and this choice to make until we see Him face to face, 
God is slowly sanctifying us. He's purifying us. He set us apart to do his will, and he's changing us into the image of his son practically. That's your peripateo. That's your general walk, that your heart should be bent to obey God, to grow and go to all nations. And if we say we don't have sin, then we, we lie. The truth is not in us. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us, because of Eve, have been placed under sin. We have a sin nature we're born with. It's just, it's just your nature. You're not a sinner because you messed up. You're a sinner because it's your nature. Do you guys remember the turtle and the scorpion? I've probably shared this with you before. Some of you hear it. You're nodding your heads. The turtle's getting ready to go across the water. And scorpion says, hey! Hey, 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 I need a ride. I need to get to the other side. You give me a ride? He said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to give you a ride. You're a scorpion. He says, what? Give me a ride. I just need to get to the other side. He says, no, because we'll get right out in the middle of the water. You'll sting me, and we'll, I'll, I'll die right out there in the middle of the water. He goes, no, I won't do that, because then if you die, I'll die. Okay, that makes sense. Jump on. They get to the middle of the water. The scorpion stings him. They both start to sink. And he's like, why did you do that? He said, I'm a scorpion. That's what I do. That's what a sinner is in you. The only way to change that is with the blood of Jesus and get a new nature, become a new creation. But then you have to understand that inheritance and begin to walk in it. Begin to pick it up and lay it down and change your clothes and be clothed in righteousness. You have to begin to obey, to to go this way. And if you aren't going this way and you're still over in darkness, you're a liar, he says. The truth's not in you, he says. So you might have to go back to the starting line and go, Lord Jesus, I believe this. Can you bring me into light? Can you get me to fellowship with light? Can you give me a desire? Do something in me that I begin to follow you and not follow the world because they're killing me. Just come and become real. He knows what's going on. He died for you. He loves you. He's not mad at you. But he will not force his fellowship upon you. And you're deceiving yourself. So any way that you say you don't have sin, whether it was because you didn't have a sin nature and you were born to good parents or, if you know, no, I'm good now. I've already been washed. I've already been cleansed. I cleaned up my act. I put on some new clothes. I got a job now. No, there's still sins of the heart, sins of omission, sins of commission that need to be dealt with every day as he washes and cleanses us. As you fellowship in his light, I was thinking about how to get it. I don't know how to, how to uh, explain it fully, but you know, I was thinking about if I don't know if you've ever like dropped a glass in the floor and it shatters everywhere and you know maybe it's nighttime and the lights are on and you swept it all up and swept it all up and you I got that cleaned up good but then the next day when the sun comes up you go well what's that the sun's reflecting on it and you see all these other little glass shards that are laying there and you get those up but the more you put light upon it the more you see that you're not fully cleansed yet. But you can let him cleanse you as soon as you agree with him. That's what we're going to in 1 John 1, 9. If, you, if we 
confess. See the if we? Now we're getting ready to start humbling ourselves. Now we're getting ready to start going, okay, I don't want to be a liar. I want the truth in me. Now I have to start agreeing with what God's doing and what the light is saying and what the word of truth is. I want to start hearing this stuff. I want to start seeing it. I want to start handling it. I don't want to end up in hell. That's the wrong fire. I want him to use that fire right now to burn out the dross and to purify and cleanse me. So now I want to confess. Look what he says. If we, because we're all sinners, confess, the word means to agree. It actually means this, to say the same thing that God is saying about our lives. See, if you disagree with God in anything, who's wrong? I mean, I, I talk to people all the time, and they go, well, I, don't think, I don't believe that. I'm like, the Bible says it. What do you mean you don't believe it? You're arguing with God. You're not arguing with me. The Bible says it. Listen, in your life, if you're back in the family of God, he is the head. He is the father. And he's bringing you back into obedience. They had perfect, they had perfect fellowship in the garden. Until somebody listened to a lie and began to follow somebody else. And if you'll say the same thing with God that he's saying about your life, about your sin, about the problems, about the darkness, about anything. It doesn't matter what it is. You can't keep saying the same thing the world is saying. You can't keep saying the same thing that the ungodly are saying or, or the sinners or the scornful. You have to begin to say the same thing and proclaim the same thing and have the same promise that God has given you. And the best way to own it is to tell people about it. Don't let the devil snatch it from you as you go out the door and you never tell anybody about it. Listen to me. Own it. Make it yours. Agree with God. Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. Same word. You're both, it's a marriage ceremony. You're both saying the same thing about the same person, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again and paid for your sins. That's when you say, I do. I will. I will what? I will obey you. I will follow you. I'll be part of your family. I'm going to be your bride. I'm going to walk in the light as you are in the light. I want to have the mind of Christ and fellowship with you and stop listening to the fellowship of the world. And listen to me. It's important that you know when you confess and when you agree that you know you can hang out and, and, and watch football. You can play cards, but that's not fellowship. It's just not. This fellowship is in the spirit. This fellowship is in the spiritual realm. It's not in the entertainment realm. Nothing wrong with entertainment. Nothing wrong with it unless it deceives you into thinking that you're okay because you're hanging out with some Christians playing cards. Fellowship is in the spirit. It's proclaiming and learning and, and talking about it and enjoying this relationship together of the family. Changing the desires of your heart. I, got, I, I tell you this, and now I'll tell you it again, and I repeat it all the time. I got saved 1997. One of my heroes of the world won a Super Bowl in 1998, January. John Elway, I did not watch the game, did not care about the game. I watched him lose three Super Bowls. But when I got saved, I could care less about a football game. He won the next year also. I did not watch it. 
Somebody tried to show me a recording of that game, and I watched about a minute of it, and I didn't care. I'm not telling you that has to happen to you, but I don't care about football games anymore. And the only reason I would even watch one is so that I could tell somebody sitting there about Jesus. It just doesn't matter anymore. Grow up. Mature as a saint. Because the devil wants to entertain you into hell. This is a battleground. It's not a playground. This is a battlefield where souls are dying and people are lying. And he's already given us a book and all we have to do is enter in. You can hear his voice. He will uncover it. He will show you what you need to know. He will lead you and guide you and protect you. If you will agree with him and say the same thing about your sin, the same thing about life, the same thing. Listen, it says he is faithful. God's faithful. He cannot deny himself. Even if you're unfaithful, God cannot deny himself. He's always going to keep doing what he's always done. He doesn't change. He's faithful in everything, every promise he's ever made. And he's just. He's just. He's innocent. He's holy. He's righteous. He's always right. That's what that word means. He's faithful because he's the unchanging one. He's perfect. He, he is perfect light, perfect holiness, so he's always right, never wrong. Back to that question again. If you disagree with him, you're the one that's wrong, not him. But he's faithful and just to forgive. He's going to forgive you. Listen to what this means. It means to send forth, to yield up. He throws your sin. He throws your, your old opinion as far as east is from the west if you'll change your mind. And you'll begin to say the same thing about sin, the same thing about life, the same thing about godliness, the same thing about being born again and fellowship that he's saying in his word. If you'll say the same thing, he'll send the rest of it packing. He'll send the darkness to flight. He'll remove it from your life. The devil, darkness cannot abide in light. Go in a room that's dark. Turn on the light. What happens? Poof. Goes away. Turn the switch back off. What happens? Comes back, doesn't it? You got to leave the light on. Keep the light on. Why do people sleep with the light on? They're afraid of the dark. Do it in your spiritual life. Don't ever turn the light off. Get into fellowship. Trust the Holy Spirit. Put all your eggs in one basket. Begin to get into the Word and cry out to Him. He already knows anyway. Because He's faithful. He's just. He'll forgive you if you say the same thing. Forgive you of all of your sins. That's the archery term. Harmatheo, is that how it's pronounced? I'm not sure. Harmatheo. It's an archery term. It's a bullseye. There's a mark you need to hit. And every time we pull back the bow, we miss it. Because you got some opinions and you got some intelligence and you can say some stuff and you hear it from them out there, it's wrong. It misses God's mark. It's in darkness, it misses the light. But if you'll do and say and be what God says and agree with Him, it'll always hit that mark because Jesus hit it perfectly and He gave it to you freely. It's being handed out as a perfect gift. All you have to do is open it and begin to trust it. Just trust it. I went to look at some stuff yesterday, and I'm like, I don't know where I'm at. I mean, I know where I was at, but I, like generally, 
it's like you know you're a Christian and you're in fellowship with the Spirit and some things you don't know yet, but you trust and you walk by faith and you get there because you're trusting God because He's this light that's in front of you and it looks a little vague up there, but you know what? I'm just going to keep following God. And I was like, I think if I just turn right, I'll get there. And, you know, it took a while before I really recognized something that was a landmark. Oh, okay, now I know where I'm at. And that's what happens even with walking by faith. God is not a liar. God is faithful. You can't bring him down to your level and keep doing what you want to do. You have to rise up and trust in the spiritual realm that you have in fellowship with him and obey him by faith. And it begins to look a lot better as you begin to grow fruit of righteousness in your life. And you get up high enough where you don't see that other stuff that you left behind. Darkness. So he's faithful and just to forgive you of your missing the mark and to continue to cleanse you. He's keeping washing you. He's keeping, even with the Mars and the marks, everything, he's cleansing you from all unrighteousness. Isn't that the mark? To be perfect as I am perfect, to be holy as I am holy, to be just like Jesus in his image. There's no lie in him. There's always light in him. There's no darkness in him. This is God himself. And that's what he wants us to be like. When we see him face to face, we'll be perfectly there in our position. But down here, we're supposed to be having a heart towards obeying. If we say, man, he said that again. I wish he would quit saying that. Notice he's talking about our heart and what we're saying, our opinion and what we're saying. And he wants you just to agree with his opinion, his word, his light. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, who wants to make God a liar? The devil. That's, only, that's his whole plan. If he can make God a liar in one thing, then he's not God. One thing. One date, one jot, one tittle. If he can make God not be God, then God's not God, and he's, he's won the battle. What are you saying? Well, I didn't sin because I didn't live as bad as they did. I wasn't doing what they're doing, so I'm okay. Listen, this is very important that we understand that apart from this light, we'll let darkness take over. And then we'll think it looks okay. We'll think it's pretty good. We'll think we're all right. One of the commentators I was reading, he said he was out and they were squirrel hunting. And while they were squirrel hunting, it began to rain. And his buddy had went this way and he went this way. But he noticed all these caves and he said, man, I'm not going to stand out here in this rain. And so he pulled up inside one of the caves. And it just kept pouring down rain. So he said, man, it's awful dark in here. I think I'll start a fire. And he lit this fire, and then he realized that there was other stuff in the cave, like snakes and, and spiders and cobwebs. And he said, I think I'd rather be wet. I'm going out in the water. And he took off and, and, and ran on home to where they were from because the light exposed what was in there. That's why we want to know what's in our heart, our dark hearts, these caverns, these caves that we think we're okay until you put a little bit more light on it little bit more light on it. You get closer to the light. And the closer you get to the light, the more you can see that sin that's in your life. But as long as you stay away from it, you'll think you're okay. Stay away from the light, you'll think you're okay. 
believe the world's opinion of what sin is. Now listen, see, because this is important because it's the counsel of the ungodly. And I'm going to finish the way that we started. See, the counsel of the ungodly has taken everything that the Bible says and they've changed it. See, sin is no longer sin. It's sickness. And see, you can have pharmacy for sickness. And you walk away from the prescription of God for sin. And you begin to take a pill for your sickness. Or a little bit more counseling from the ungodly and you get gasoline. Driving over here, I and I and I risk uh, probably uh, ridicule for it. But driving over here, there's a church that has this recovery program, an addictions program. Listen, addiction is a sickness. It's a worldly term. Habitual sin is what it is. We need to call it what it is, or you can't deal with it. If you call it an addiction, you'll think that there's 12 steps to get rid of it. And you practice something and do something, and you'll take care of yourself and clean up your flesh. That's religion. That's a lie. That's the world's counsel. One step to the blood of Jesus. One step to become a new creation and to stop sinning. But if you call it an addiction, if you call it a sickness... I don't care which one it is. You, you figure it out. Psychology has put labels on all the sin, so now we don't need a Savior. The world, the devil, the Antichrist, raising up his false prophet will save us all with their pharmacy, their prescription for life and godliness, and you end up in hell instead of God's prescription, his commandments. Look in Matthew 19. If you would look there, I'll do it quickly. Most of you know it. It's the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and says, Good teacher, how can I inherit eternal life? And he said, Well, do not murder. Do not commit theft. Do not commit adultery. And he gives him the second tablet of the Ten Commandments, which was all about your neighbor, all about taking care of people around you. And he said, Well, I've done that since my youth. That was his opinion. If we say, see, he said, oh, I've done that since I was a youth. You notice Jesus didn't tell him, no, you haven't. Remember September 8th when you were over there and you did this? Because, see, he's got a list. He knew what he had done. Well, he says, one thing you lack. This is light. One thing you lack. Remember, he's the rich young ruler. Go and sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. It says he went away sad because he had a lot of riches and his heart would not release his own opinion. His heart would not release. It wasn't just the riches. He was trusting in that instead of God. See, God didn't need his money. But God never even brought up the first four commandments all about God. All about where his heart was supposed to be. All about the marvelous light. Have no other gods before me. See, his stuff, his own making, his own pride, everything that he had done, his religion had made him think he was okay with God. And he had actually avoided the first four commandments, which were all about God. His marvelous light. That we're all sinners. There's no way we can inherit eternal life except trusting in God's provision for the sin nature. It's God's way. It's God's will. It's God's word. It's his Messiah. It's not about us. It's about him. 
the rich young ruler went away sad. And the boys said, oh, my goodness, if this is so, then what? nobody could be saved. And he said, no, all things are possible with God. All things are possible if you ask, if you desire, if you draw near, if you come to him. It doesn't matter what you've been trusting in. If you will walk to him, he's light. There's no darkness in him, and he will cast out all the darkness. Darkness cannot overcome him. The other first John one, or excuse me, the other John chapter one, verse five. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome him. But he can overcome darkness. All you got to do is turn on a light switch in your home, and you will see that. Listen, where are you fellowshipping at? Is your joy full? Listen, here's it, here it is. If we say, if you don't have joy and rest and peace in the Lord because you know that your heart is bent on doing what he wants to do, then maybe your fellowship's not with him. Maybe you need to say, Lord, what do I change first? And then he'll give it to you one at a time. He'll, he'll remind you of what he's already told you that you've ignored when you heard his voice and you said, ah, I think I'm okay. I said a prayer. And you walked away and you began doing what you wanted to do in your religion. And you said, I've been doing all that. I go to church on Sunday. Listen, no, no, no. Are you hearing his voice? Does he know you? And are you following him? If you're having fellowship in the spirit with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, believe me, he's cleansing you from darkness and he's bringing you into the light and you're going to grow every day. You're going to become more and more like him every day. Not perfected, but being perfected. Not sinless, but sinning less because you're having fellowship with him. Where's your joy meter at? Are you making God a liar as his witness? I am Christians say this, but they do that. Are you making God a liar by the way you live and his word is not in you? Maybe that should be capitalized, by the way. The spirit of truth. Is it in us? Father, thank you for your word. We so need your grace every day. We need your light to shine in our darkness, Lord. Expose the sin, the attitudes, the heart that we have. And remind us, Lord, that when we humble ourselves in your sight, you lift us up. And you lift us up higher and higher up into heaven. Lord, we long to hear you and to see you and handle you and to proclaim and declare you to those that are dying and stumbling for the slaughter. Give us a desire to tell people about your great promise to wash and cleanse us from all sin. If we will just say what you say, agree with you, that we all need a Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ, your Son. Pour out your Spirit upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. 
Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear?